<laughs> last week we covered quite a bit. Um, we covered the introduction um, in the book and talked about the importance of studying um, the Old Testament. And in order to get a handle of the new, you have to understand the Old Testament. And um, we talked about um, the, uh, we kind of went over covenants a little bit, dispensation. That's something I had you all read um, on your own. So I pray that you had an opportunity to, to um, read that. Um, so are, are there any questions on covenants and dispensations or something you want me to elaborate on? Because um, if not, I'm going to assume that you kind of got a working understanding of it. But of course, it will come up within our lessons. But um, anybody want me to cover anything or you guys are pretty good when it comes to that? Remember, there's charts in the Dropbox about covenants and dispensations. So we're OK. All right, all right. So, I mean, if it comes up again, if you uh, need to explain or need to, you know, to holler, just definitely um, let me know. But the charts are um, in, it was in last, did someone say something? Oh, uh, it was in last week's uh, presentation and um, in the Dropbox, okay? So definitely look over those documents and description covenants and dispensation. And then we're, we're going to be able to see the how they connect um, in scripture and how they um, how they play out and things of that sort. Okay. So this week, let me see here. Let me go to okay. So this week we are hopping into, into the Pentateuch and we're looking um, at the first five books of the Bible. So Pente means five and Took means books or uh, teachings. And so we're going to um, look at the first five and that's the first five of the foundational books. So uh, uh, pop quiz. So when, when I say um, foundational books, what do I mean by foundational books? Let's see if you all remember from last week. Anybody remember? Okay, so when we talk about foundational books, these are the books that move the timeline of history. Okay, so remember the there are 11 foundational books that kind of move the time, but there are some books that happen kind of simultaneously uh, of the foundational books. And so, um, and so what we are doing, we're looking today at the first two foundational books, which is Genesis and Exodus. And then next week we'll look at Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy and see how they connect and intertwine. Um, but the found member of the foundational books are the books that move the timeline of history. Okay, if you have not written that down, I suggest you do so. It is in the book as well, in the intro, where he talks about foundational um, books, as, um, books as well. Okay, so definitely keep that because you're going to be hearing that um, for the entire <laughs> for the entire class. So definitely um, keep that in mind. Let me see if I can find the page for you all um, of where, where it is to make sure. Uh, let see here. Unless someone, um, let's see here. It is, 
Okay. So it's under the purpose of the survey book, of the survey book. So I know that's um, kind of in the beginning. So that is uh, on page on page 14. Um, it talks about the progressive um, nature, of course. And then it, when you go into the approach of the survey book on page 15, um, it talks about the foundational books, um, the 11 foundational books and the 11 books develop the storyline of the Old Testament. So definitely highlight circle, putting your notes on page 15 that talks about the foundational books, okay? All right, so today um, we are going to learn about the authorship and date of each book of the Pentateuch. We are going to be familiar with the purpose and outline of each book of the Pentateuch and be familiar with the summary of each book of the Pentateuch. So, um, so today we're just doing Genesis and Exodus, and next week we're going to do Leviticus and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy, okay? So um, let me know if you guys are okay, and I will continue on. Um, let's, let's see here. Um, I do have one question. Um, sure. If you could go back to the previous slide, um, can you help me to remember why we have, oh, I think looking at the titles of the book, I might know um, the, the five, they're foundational books, but they are up above the. Yeah, the ones that above, they do not move the timeline and they're happening simultaneously of the other books. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they're not considered foundational because they don't move the timeline at all. Oh, I see. Um, if you have like a, a really good study Bible, like a chronological study mm -hmm. Bible, you will see that um, in the chronological study Bible, they'll go from Exodus 1, uh, what is it, 1 through 40, and then it will jump uh, to, um, what is it, Leviticus 7, chapter seven through chapter 10. And then it will hop into numbers. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It will come from numbers chapter seven uh, through 10. And then it will cut to Leviticus chapter one through the end. And then it will cut back into numbers chapter 10, verse 10. And so it's showing you where, how, how to connect the books of the, uh, of the Pentateuch because some of them are happening uh, a lot of the information or a lot of the events are happening at the same time. And so you most, most, you know, when you're writing, you can't write, you know, simultaneously. And so it's, it's showing you where it falls in and where it connects and things of that sort. And so, yeah. So when you see the books at the top, at the top row, they are happening at the same time as the foundational books. Okay. Uh -huh. All righty. Any other questions? All right, cool, cool beans. So, um, so yeah, that was a, that was a good question. And I, uh, and if you don't have a chronological study Bible, I it's a good book to have. <laughs> I have many, but um, you'll see the connection because in 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 my Bible it goes from Genesis to Job, then to Exodus, and then it parts and all that stuff. So it, it's kind of a cool way to look at the chronological um, time uh, of, uh, or the time span of the, of the Bible, things of that sort. 
Um, so, uh, of course, when we're looking, um, the first five books, they're called the Pentateuch. And here's a new term that I'm going to introduce to y'all. Um, the first five books of the Pentateuch and then the next 12 books from Joshua to, to Nehemiah, they are called deuteronomistic books. So you got the word deutero, like Deuteronomy, deutero, and then you got no tongues now. Oh Lord, uh, deutero, it's it's not tongue, it's Greek. So uh, uh, actually, Greek is a tongue. So uh, deutero, you got the first part, deutero, and then no mystic um, at the at the end of it. And what it is, the the books from Joshua to Nehemiah talks about Israel's stewardship. Um, Israel's attitude um, when it comes to um, God giving the law and giving the land. How did they take care of it? How did they go by following the law and things of that sort? And so that's where you get that storyline from Joshua to Nehemiah. We're look is basically focused on Israel and how they steward the land that God has given to them and the law. Okay. Um, so I hope you guys write that down because I didn't put that in my slides. Um, so the word is Deuteronomistic. So it's the next 12 books um, in the in the Old Testament for as far as the foundational books. Okay. Um, and so the first five is Pentateuch. It talks about the teachings or the law, kind of the foundation, um, the start of Israel. And then from and then the next 12 from Joshua to Nehemiah. It talks about how they steward, how they took care of the law and how they took care of the land and things of that sort. And then we know that they didn't really uh, follow the law and they didn't uh, really take care. They got the land taken away from them because of their disobedience and things of that sort. So uh, those are what those books are, are about. OK, so any questions or comments about that? All right, cool beans. I just wanted to kind of lay that out there for you all. Um, so let's see here. Do you all remember how many years does the Old Testament cover? 4,000. Oh, yes. 4,000 years. Good. Indeed. Um, and uh, does anybody remember how long it took to write the Old Testament? Was it 600 years or 400 years? One of those, or 300 bit. years. Mm -mm. <laughs> A little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Some number of years. <laughs> Anybody remember how long it took to write the Old Testament? It took 1500 years to write the Old Testament, okay? So the Old Testament covers 4,000 years and it took 1,500 years to write it, okay? So when we're looking um, at the time frame, um, you see from, from, from Genesis to, uh, to Exodus is about, uh, is about close to, close to about 2,000 years or so. Um, and so the time, even the time before from, I guess, from Abraham to, to Moses is close to about two, 2000 years, they say. And then from, from the time from Abraham 
to the beginning, that time is kind of indeterminate. They, they are not sure. Some say uh, 4,000 years, um, some say 10,000 years. So it really depends on your view. And one day we're going to have a class on, on Genesis and you'll, you'll learn. Actually, it talks about it in this book here. It talks about it in the Old Testament book about the young earth theory and the, the old earth theory. So I pray that you all got a chance to kind of look at that in Genesis. Um, it talks about how they were dating the time and things of that sort. Um, it's definitely in here. And then we'll go into, you know, deeper content, uh, deeper, go in de deeper um, in more classes to come. But um, it kind of talks about that in this in this book here. I think it's like in the like the index part of the like the notes, because some when you're reading, especially Genesis, um, it tells you to go to note A or to note B and things of that sort. Though those notes in the back in the back of your book gives you more details of what they're talking about. So if you want to understand the authorship of the Pentateuch, you go to note to note A. And it was talking about um, that in Genesis when we're when we're looking at the um, when we're looking at the authorship, because there's a big debate on who authored Genesis and things of that sort. And so if you want to learn more about it, you go to your notes in the back. And so there's no A about Pentateuch. Um, there's uh, various views um, when it talks about creationism and evolution and the day age view. Definitely look at that. Um, and then it, I think it's another reference that it makes us look at. I think it's uh, the date when we get to Exodus, the date of Exodus as well. So um, when, it, when, it's, when it's telling you in the book to look at the notes in the back of the book, I encourage you to do so because it will help you kind of understand what the author is, is talking about here. This is a really good reference, a really good book to really keep in your, in your collection, um, especially when you're studying um, various books, okay? All right, so let's go ahead and hop into here. Let's go back to this slide here. Um, so the foundational books is in the Protestant canon of scripture as well as other major Bibles, you will find that the Pentateuch is the first genre or division of the Old Testament section. So let's see some questions here. So what do I mean, or what does the author mean by Protestant canon of scripture? We kind of talked about canons last week. Um, does anybody remember what that means, Protestant canon? Um, is that the uh, traditional uh, Bible, because you were talking about how there were uh, other books that were left out in the Protestant uh, canon is the Bible that we currently have. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So it's the book that we have, the 66 books. Yep. Good job. Yep. So that is the Protestant canon, canon of scripture. And there are uh, various canons that exist out there. Um, and so um, definitely um, in that chart that's in the Dropbox, definitely, you know, familiarize yourself with it. And um, we actually, we, we kind of talked about that as well in the introduction to the Bible class on Monday. We talked about the, the canon of um, the Mormon canon. They have their own canon. The Muslims have their own canon and things of that sort. And so the canon that we have is the Protestant, uh, the Protestant canon of, of scripture. So thank you so much. Actually, I want to pause right here. Uh, and introduce uh, or give an uh, introduction to a new student that, in, that, that is in class. So uh, Ricky, do you want to introduce yourself so everybody know who you are? 
Uh, sure. Uh, my wife is here with me as well, so she'll introduce herself after me. Um, my name is Ricky Pleasant, and um, I uh, work out or used to work out with uh, with Wayman, and um, he informed me about this class, and I'm really excited to get more information. Um, I'm also excited that uh, Ms. Shackelford is teaching the class. We're uh, high school buddies, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to be here and, and thank you for having us. Yes, and we welcome you uh, for joining us in the study. When when Wayman told me your name, I was like, wait, what <laughs> you were 04, right? Yep, yep, okay. and beardless, so nope. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, so um, it's, it's good, to, good to have you um, in our class and uh, there are others that are in the class that um, that do not belong to the Revival Center. They just heard it by, you know, people just telling them about the study and they are, um, they're part of us. So we thank, we thank God for that. Miss um, uh, Ramona, she's on here and Renee, um, Ramona, I think she's in Memphis, if I'm not mistaken. And Renee, she's down in Florida. So we have some, quite a few people who are out of town, out of towners and so. Definitely, um, thank you for joining us, and I pray that this class will be uh, uh, informative and uh, will help you out in your studies. So, uh, Wayne, did you have something? You know, unmute it. Uh, his wife is she going to introduce herself? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Shybria, and um, I'm excited as well. I feel like even with just the um, this first class and with reading the book, we're already learning a lot that we didn't realize we didn't know. So, awesome, awesome! Glad to have you um, in class as well. So, I'm I'm really excited um, about this class and uh, what we're about to what we about to do. So, I pray that for everybody that this class will help you understand and handle the Old Testament. Um, a little better than what we have been handling the scripture. So thank you so much. And uh, uh, I guess people might uh, reach you in the chat. I'm not sure. I don't have the chat up. So if you're if you're online, just go ahead and greet them in the chat um, and make them feel welcome. OK, so I, ha I have to say, though, I just love the way she said that we're learning so much that we didn't know we didn't know. <laughs> I mean, that is so important because we we feel like we know a lot. We've been saved. We've been walking with the Lord. But there's some stuff we don't know that we don't know until we learn it. Yep. Yep, definitely. So, yep. <laughs> so that's cool. All right. And I would like to say, I would like to say that I love that they are doing it together. That blesses yeah. me. I'm just like, wow. That is awesome. Up early in the morning, sitting there together, well prepared, and just ready. Right, just ready. Come on, I'm just like, look at God. Oh my goodness, I got to get it together. <laughs> Come on, that's a challenge for and get my husband up. <laughs> <laughs> that is welcome, welcome. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're talking about my talking about my father. Hold on now. Nope. Wait I'm a minute. <laughs> <laughs> offline don't don't be wasting don't be uh arguing like we got we got new people so you can't be arguing and fighting okay <laughs> we got new people we sorry guest <laughs> thank you Paige. that's that's our that's our dismissal pass amen dismiss that argument page yes 
So, uh, yeah, so definitely, uh, yes, definitely welcome. So, um, so yes, the Protestant canon is the canon that we have, the 66 books, and there are other canons that exist out there. Um, and so this division of the Old Testament is likely more referenced in the New Testament than any other single category um, in the Old in the Old Testament. So you're going to see, especially um, uh, throughout the Old Testament and, and, the New Te- and in the New Testament, how foundational the Pentateuch is. Okay, you're going to see Jesus quotes from it. He always say from, from Moses and the prophets. Um, and so he referenced or alludes to the, the foundational books. You'll see um, a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament, they'll allude to it as well. And so it's, it's so important to familiarize yourself with these first five books. And I know there are some people out there that are reading, you know, Genesis and Exodus and trying to get an understanding of it. And so I pray that um, just um, using this as a tool or as a resource for you to, to approach uh, those books, uh, I, I pray that it will help you to approach it in a, in a um, better manner. Um, and, and also to know that some events are happening simultaneously with one another. And so I think that will definitely help as well. And so let's hop in here. Let's see here. Um, so the summary of the Pentateuch, I grabbed this from um, a book that we're eventually going to use. It's called the Survey of the Pentateuch. And so it's a whole class just based on the five books uh, the Pentateuch, just like um, when we did the study of the Gospels and we studied those four books, um, there's another study that we're going to actually study just the five books. And it says, um, the first point, it says Genesis with 50 chapters and um, 1,534 verses covers some 2,300 years. So, um, so 2,300 years. Then Exodus to Numbers 14 covers the event at Sinai, just over a year in chronological time. Okay, so from Exodus to number 14, that is a year. And in 81 chapters and 2016, uh, 2,617 verses, the remaining chapters of Numbers uh, 22 with 739 verses deals with the 40 years of wanderings in the wilderness and the last book of Deuteronomy focused on the last day or so of Moses's life, comprises some 34 chapters with 955 verses. So I hope this, this helps right here as far as like the timeline. You see that Genesis covers uh, 2,300 years uh, from Exodus to Numbers 14. It covers just a year, like probably a year, year and a half of time. And then when you get to, to Numbers, um, it, it deals with the, basically the entire 39 or 40 years of, of history. And then Deuteronomy only covers a day. That's all one day. 34 chapters is one day, one day or so of history. Okay. Um, Genesis provides the background to the law giving. Exodus in Numbers is largely taken up uh, with the proclamation of the law while Deuteronomy offers a most authoritative commentary on the law by Israel's greatest prophet, Moses, okay? So right now, that right there should um, help you kind of put things in perspective as far as, as the timeline. I thought it was interesting how numbers covers the 40 years, and I think we, we probably been taught that Exodus 
<laughs> covers the 40 years or whatnot. But, uh, and then we skip numbers and we don't really read numbers, but we're, we're uh, missing a lot of the, the pertinent information um, concerning um, Israel's wanderings in, in the wilderness. So I pray that, that this will help you out as far as putting things in perspective, okay? Um, any comments or questions about that? Good. I think it's kind of amazing that just um, Exodus the numbers covers just one year, but it's 81 chapters. It's more than even Genesis covers. That's kind of. Yeah, isn't that? That's wild. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy because um, when you look at Exodus, well, Exodus actually, when you, when you look when you look at the beginning of Exodus from like Exodus chapter one through 10 or 11, it talks about Moses's life. So that's about 80 years right there, but it picks up from Exodus 12 to the end of Exodus. That is all a year. And the year is 1445 BC. And you're gonna hear that date so many times in this class. So. Write that day down, 1445 BC, because that's a lot, it's a lot that occurred during that year. It's the, the year that they left Egypt, the year that um, God gave them the law, the year that God gave them um, the instructions for the tabernacle, and the year that they built that golden calf. <laughs> so it was a lot that uh, was going on through that one, that one year. So yeah, it is amazing. Um, anybody else? All right. So yeah, definitely keep that in mind here. Okay. Um, so I'm going to jump into Genesis. Okay. We're looking at the authorship of Genesis here. And that is in your, um, in your book that is on page, um, that is on page 28. And like I said, um, I know everybody doesn't have a book. I'm going to be sending some out this evening uh, for those who want those um, books sent to them. And then I have a few more at the church. Um, so if you catch me today, um, you can get, get a book, okay? So um, on page 20, no, I'm sorry, on page uh, 28, no, what page is that? 27, yeah, page 27, talks about the authorship. And it says, for the most part, um, we have internal evidence. I'm reading from the slide right now. And we have internal evidence to support this position that Moses, the historical liberator of the children of Israel, authored not only Genesis, but the first five books of the Old Testament, um, and the, which is called the Pentateuch. However, in modern times, a great deal of debate has arisen to challenge the Mosaic authorship. Um, so when we say um, in internal evidence, what do I mean by internal evidence? Um, isn't that where it's like you can read it and figure out what the author is saying? Like, you know, it's actually there in the Bible, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Um, finding evidence within the scriptures. And so that's a that is a um, interpretation rule or a hermeneutical rule that scripture interprets scripture. And so uh, you don't have to go to an outside source or anything like that to um, to know if Moses authored uh, the Pentateuch. It's right in, in scripture. OK. And so um, 
It says in modern times, a great deal debate arisen to challenge mosaic authorship. This debate has always um, been on the fringes throughout church history in a large part because of Deuteronomy 34, okay? So there, there's a lot of debate, a lot of scholars um, that talks about, you know, Moses didn't, didn't author um, the Pentateuch because there are a lot of corroborating um, evidence, uh, a lot of um, things that you must, you can't ignore uh, that shows that Moses did not. And so here's one. Let's look at this verse here in, in um, Deuteronomy 34, um, 4 through 8. And it says, and the Lord says to Abraham, this is the land which I sworn to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have uh, let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he and he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab opposite of Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people uh, of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab uh, 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. So what is wrong with this uh, passage here? Uh, when it comes to defending that Moses wrote the entire Pentateuch. I mean, it's the way it's, it's the language in it. It's the way it's talking about Moses as if he is another person being written about rather than writing this out, right? Go deeper. What's the passage about? He died. <laughs> he died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Moses is a G. He was able to write about his death. <laughs> right, right. They were writing uh, details about it and all they cried for me and everything. And so uh, this right here, <laughs> this right here is a problem passage for many scholars. It's like, no, there ain't, ain't no way. Ain't no way. And so there are other passages in scripture as well that kind of gives us problems like um, in Exodus, it talks about how God fed them quail and manna for 40 years. And it's just like, well, how, how do you know it was 40 years? So you got to be from the outside of 40 to, to write about it. So what's, what's going on here? And so um, in, the, in the PowerPoint, let me see, let me go back here. Or in, even in your book, it tells you to go to note A on page 283 to 285. So if you have your book with you, go ahead and go there real quick. Um, let me see here, 283. Um, it talks about um, the mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch. And it talks about, you know, the debate with scholars and things of that sort. And you may say, well, why is this so important? Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you. So there's, there's basically two, two arguments that exist out there. One argument is that Moses wrote the entire Pentateuch. Then there's another argument that basically he did not that some that the uh, the Pentateuch was written after Moses' death, and that there were um, various versions of the Pentateuch that they kind of put together. So, for instance, in Genesis chapter one, you read about the story of the creation, but then in chapter two you get kind of more details about the creation. 
And so you see that a lot in the Pentateuch. You see stories kind of repeated twice in the Pentateuch. So that that's one. And then the story of when Noah um, brought the animals to the ark. One, one account says he brought them two by two. And then another account says he brought them seven by seven. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know y'all remember reading that. And so they're like, okay, they someone took two accounts and just put them together. And then when you look at Genesis 1, when they're referring to God, they use the word Jehovah. But in, in Genesis 2, they're using the word Elohim. So it has to be, it has to be separate accounts. Moses did not write it. So that's that's the argument that exists during during that time there. Actually, it's still going on today. And so it's called the in two on 283, I think it's called, he calls it the documentary hypothesis or the J-E-D-P. Okay. So the J is Jehovah, the E is Elohim. The D is Deuteronomy and the P is priestly. So um, I think it's, let me see here. Did they put it in this book? Or it might be the other book that I'm looking at. Um, so it's certain scriptures um, in the Bible that sound so, uh, I'm going to use the one, so, sound so priestly, like when um, in, in the scriptures, when it's talking about the priestly role and it's talking about the details of the sacrifices and all that stuff, they said Moses wouldn't have not known anything about that because he was not a priest. So therefore, a, a priest wrote that particular passage in, in, the, uh, in the Pentateuch. Or um, with, with the Deuteronomy passages, um, like I said, when it comes to his um, death, um, there's, there's no way that Moses wrote, wrote particular passages in Deuteronomy because he, he died. Or um, there's some passages that, that sounds like there's a, there was an outsider that was writing about it. Like when I talked about they, when it says uh, they, they ate quail and manna for 40 years, there's got to be an outsider that wrote about that. There's no way Moses wrote that. And so that is the argument. And so I want to um, kind of bring um, into light, um, it was some months ago that one of our members put a status up about, you know, they were excited about learning about Genesis and all that stuff. And one of our, uh, actually a peer, so he's not a scholar, but he's a peer and he wrote on his status uh, about, um, yeah, if you want to understand Genesis, you know, they wrote that um, that Genesis was written um, in 1300 BC and all that stuff. Like he started going on and on. And when I read the comment, he's actually talking about the JEDP theory. And he does not believe that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. So when you're when you're out there in social media, you may say something and some people may comment. You may look like, what, what in the world does that mean? Now you have an understanding, learning, learning scriptures in this way. Now, you know, like, you know what? He don't even subscribe to a mosaic authorship. He believes that someone else wrote the, the book of uh, the Pentateuch or whatever. And if you don't have that training or that understanding, you may just go for what, what that person is saying. And so I'm not giving you my view on what I believe. I'm giving you all the views that exist out there. And then the Holy Spirit can work with you uh, for you to make that decision of what view to go with. 
because these are important views. Some people believe that Moses did not write it. Some people believe that he did write it. And then right there gives us a kind of a contemporary or a, um, a view of there are some people out there that actually believe that, that are among us. He was a black guy, wasn't a white guy. He was a black guy <laughs> that wrote about it or whatnot. So that's something to, to really keep in mind, okay? So one, avoid Facebook debates, okay? I always say, <laughs> just avoid them <laughs> at all costs. So, um, But when you read, I was just able just to read through it and I was able to discern what they were talking about. And instead of me jumping into the argument, I just told that person, just, just wait until we get to this class and you're going to be able to understand what that person is talking about or whatnot. So, um, so yeah, so the debate on page two, 283 is so important just to read, just to have an understanding of it. Um, it this is kind of a surface um, explanation of it. But when we get into the survey of the Pentateuch, we're going to go, go, we're going to go even deeper. We're going to look at those passages that, that the scholars have in question um, so that we are secure in our beliefs. Okay. All right. So any questions or comments about that? I wonder if like the oral tradition kind of, kind of had anything to do with that, like the changes. Um, the, the oral tradition. Yes. Yes. It, it does play a part when it comes to um, inspiration um, when, when writing down the scriptures, yeah, it does have a, a part of it. Um, but yeah, so when you, when you're looking at the, the nuances like that in scripture, um, you have to do some more digging when it comes to their culture and the background. You may say, well, um, if Moses wrote all this, then, um, when you're, where you're looking at their, their style of writing, you will see that Moses is, um, and when Genesis one, you'll see that you know he's just doing kind of a summary of of uh, creation, and then he goes into details in, in Genesis two or whatnot. And so, yeah, it's understanding their process of, or like you said, oral tradition, what which has to do with um, inspiration. Then you have to look at how they handled um, literature, how they dealt with writings in, in their time as well. Um, in order to get what we have today. And also to look at, uh, we have to consider, I wish I had this chart up, uh, consider the process of editing as well. Editing is a part of inspiration as well. And so you may see, um, like for the uh, explanation of Deuteronomy 34, um, someone may have added that in. And so what we're saying is that Moses is the primary author but That's there, what I was wondering, yeah. yeah of, of editing and adding in little things to kind of make it flow, but it doesn't take away from the fact that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. So we'll we'll definitely um, go into that in another class, but I, I encourage you all to, to read that to you know get it in front of the debate and um, have an understanding of it. Okay, anybody else? All right, cool beans. Let's move on here. Um, so Genesis is the book of beginnings. I think that's that is on that's um, on page I think twenty nine or something like that. Or let me see here, 
28. Genesis is the book of beginnings. It first to tell us clearly and definitely that God created all things directly. The entire organized universe was brought into existence by a powerful, all-knowing creator, God. Second Genesis was written to record the beginning of many of other elements that exist in our world today. The beginnings of such important matters as marriage, languages, nation, sin, and worship are recorded, okay? So I'm going to say a point right here. Even though this is where we get our foundation, uh, foundational teaching on these specific topics, you don't want to just lift it from Genesis and try to apply it in your life without doing the due diligence of, 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 the ex, of doing the exegesis, meaning that you look at it in various parts of scripture. So if you're looking at marriage, you want to see where it says it in Genesis, then where it says it um, in the prophets, if, if there's, if any, then you go, you want to see if Jesus talked about it. And then you want to see if the epistles talk about it in which we get our instructions as the church. And then you want to kind of connect it and see God's progressive revelation on that particular topic. Okay. So I want to kind of um, definitely put a pin right there. So when you're doing a topical study, remember we did that in um, Bible study methods, you want to find the places that mention those, those particular topics and then do it, uh, then analyze um, God's progressiveness in that. And so, um, so yeah, so this is where in Genesis, you begin to see God talking about these matters. Okay. Um, the third purpose of the book is to relate how Israel through Abraham was selected from among the peoples of the world to become God's chosen nation. So from chapter 12 of Genesis 12, that's when Abraham comes on the scene and we begin to see uh, that God makes uh, with Abraham the, um, the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. And in that covenant, um, it is an unconditional covenant, okay? So definitely, if you have not read about the, the covenant, um, Abrahamic covenant, definitely read that. It is on page 38 that talks about uh, why it's an um, uh, unconditional covenant and why it's a blessing for for basically for mankind those who um, uh, belong to uh, belong to God and to, to see um, also let's see it was a blessing for Abraham it was a personal blessing it's a blessing for us and and how it carries itself through time that is still uh, the Abrahamic covenant is still in play and um, you see this chart here on page, was it page 43, it gives you a, um, a uh, flow of the, all the covenants that exist. Um, and you see how Abrahamic, co uh, Abrahamic covenant is the kind of the foundational covenant and offshoots from the Abrahamic covenant is the Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. The Mosaic covenant does not stem off of the Abrahamic covenant because it was meant to be a temporal covenant. Whereas the other covenants are eternal covenants. They're still uh, going on today. And someone asked me, or I have several people ask me about what's going on in Palestine and why is this such a big debate? Palestinian covenant. You wanna read, <laughs> you wanna read about the Palestinian covenant. And why, uh, why, does, why that land is so hot right now. 
And uh, I won't get into much detail on it today, but um, definitely have some understanding of land. So that's one covenant that you want to read about. And um, if you're interested in things like that, definitely um, do your research and maybe holler at me. Maybe we could have a discussion about it or whatnot. But uh, but yeah, definitely uh, familiarize yourself with covenants. So any comments or questions so far? We're good. Um, one thing that I always hear too is, you know, and it just basically off of what you just said, when it was talking about why they were so, why are they so chosen? And then it just hit me based off what you said. Like it all go back to the one that God made the promise to. And it's like, and then it grew, you know what I mean? So I was like, duh, and go back to him. And then what God promised him and he just grew and grew and grew. So it wasn't like, I don't know, in my mind, and maybe I'm still wrong, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, God, like, no, the God's like, oh, there's a group of people over there. Let me go grab them. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, he built them people. He allowed them to grow in this normal progress progression that nations grow into rather than just pulling a group and saying, all right, this is my group. He actually called it from a man, made a promise and let it grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and also from the Abraham Covenant. So yeah, definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? All right, cool beans. So definitely um, look at that um, when you get a chance here. So the place and date. So the writing of Genesis and the rest of the Pentateuch most likely took place after the Exodus and before Israel entrance into the land of Canaan, probably during the days of Israel, 40 year wilderness wandering. So that lets you know that um, when you're looking at the order of things that are written, Exodus was written first. So you got the, um, the commandments and the law, the law was written first before Genesis. Okay, and so Genesis was written during they believe was written during the 40 year wilderness wandering. So the author of the textbook holds to an early date of the writing of the book 1445 B.C. However, it doesn't appear that the entire Pentateuch was written at once. Instead, it seems more likely that it was written throughout the Israel's 40 year wilderness wanderings. Okay, so um, we'll get. I think uh, I think it's in this book as well. I'm getting my books mixed up, but I believe it's in in this book that kind of tells about uh, the purpose. No, it's my other book. Shoot, but I'll give you I'll give you guys this: the purpose of why um, of why Moses wrote the Pentateuch in the first place. They kept they they kept uh, it's in here. Yes, yeah, in this book, they kept mumbling. They had kept doing their groanings, and and they wanted to go back to to Egypt. They thought life in Egypt was so much better than what they were experiencing. And when they started grumbling, they were only three months into the wilderness. And so um, there was like three questions that Moses kept being asked. The first question is, why should we follow you, Moses? Why you, out of all people, why should we follow you? Um, The next question is, um, should we go back to Egypt? Because it's comfortable, even though we were slaves, but but we were, we were okay. And then the third one is why should we possess the land Canaan? So these three, three questions prompted Moses to write the Pentateuch. 
So that is a uh, that is called a literary reason on why Moses wrote the Pentateuch um, because they kept asking him these questions. So that's why you see in Exodus, the first what ten chapters of Exodus, he's writing about his life. He's writing. He's answering the question on why did God choose Moses, and then you see um, how. Okay, what about the land? While we're going to Canaan, then he has to write about Abraham and how uh, God promised this land to Abraham and uh, in Genesis 12. So that's about 2095 20, 20, BC uh, when God promised this land uh, to, to Abraham and to see and to answer that question. And then why should we not, why, why can't we just stay in Egypt? And, uh, and Moses had to talk about how um, Abraham ended up in Egypt and he wasn't even supposed to be there. When he got into Egypt because of a famine, um, he got into a lot of trouble. Y'all remember that story of um, Abraham's wife was very pretty. She was very gorgeous and the king wanted to, wanted to have at her. And, Mo, and, and Abraham lied and said that it was his sister. That all happened down in Egypt. They had all that trouble. Uh, down down in Egypt or whatnot. And so these are the, when you're reading the stories of the Pentateuch, keep those three questions in mind because this is what Moses is answering for the people, the first generation and the second generation of, of, of Israel, okay? Any questions or comments about that? Is he not also defending, for lack of better words, especially with them coming out of Egypt, is he also not defending the fact that God is God? Like this God that we are with mm -hmm. is the main God. I know y'all haven't seen all these other gods in Egypt, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, just thinking about just the beginning and in the beginning, God, like, is he not also defending, letting them know, you know, like we are with the God of all creation? Right. Yeah, that as well. Yep. So that's why he started from, like you said, in the beginning and talk, talk about God and God um, had to, you know, show himself to the, the people of Israel um, by how he saved them out of Egypt through all the plagues and the miracles and how he had them crossed over the river and dried up the river and all this stuff. So he had to, um, those type of miracles uh, were done to prove who he was. And yeah, so yeah, that's another that's another reason as well to prove to the people, the Israel, that this is the God, the God of gods. <laughs> yeah, and the Lord of lords. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anybody else? All right, cool beings. Let's continue to move. So the purpose, the author. Um, of the textbook presents a purpose of Genesis in a way that addresses and applies to all mankind. Um, but I believe Bible students should especially be sensitive to the historical audience and the original readers for Genesis and the Pentateuch, those Israel, Israelites who just came out of Egypt. So when you are studying any book, you want to familiarize yourself um, with the historical audience and the original reader. So the historical audience, well, let me see if anybody remember <laughs> from uh, Bible study methods and even survey of the New Testament. Well, what, uh, what does it mean? What is a uh, historical audience or original readers? 
Either one. You can take either one. The um, the intended audience for this for the um, scripture at the time. Which one are you taking? Historical audience. So say it again. Historical audience is what. It was the intended. It was the intended audience um, that the scriptures were written for at the time. Written for. Uh, that would be original readers. So they they uh, so the author wrote it for them. So they would be the original readers. Yeah. And what's the historical audience? I mean, I was with Tammy, so who who who? <laughs> the one they were written of two that they were talking to them directly. That's still uh, that's the same thing. That's still the same, the same thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking for a certain word that will help you all. Soon as she asked Elder Tammy, uh, which one you talk about? I said, oh, shoot, I'm with Tammy. I'm wrong, too. <laughs> the historical audience is what the author is, written, is writing about. Who, who he's writing about. So, the, his, like, for instance, in Genesis, he's writing about Abraham. He's writing about Isaac. He's writing about Jacob. That, those would be considered the historical audience. And the original readers are those who he's writing to. See, so it's he, because audience is like plural. That's what I think throwing yeah, me off with that. Yeah, I think that's the same word that <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. So yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so the original readers is who he's writing to. So in this case, Moses is writing to the first and second generation. Uh, for bonus points, uh, what do I mean by first and second generation of Israel? Let's see if you all know. Is it before and after the promised land? Or before and after one after the, the 40 years. That's what I meant. Yeah, like the the ones that crossed over. Okay, those who okay, let's go from there. Yeah, those who have crossed over. Um, you guys remember when God began to basically kill off folks? Uh, he started, yeah. yeah, he started with the with the golden calf, and certain people began. Uh, they died for that, and then because of their murmurings, um, they you know had uh, died from that or whatever. So that's how the first generation began to die off, and so their children began to raise up. And so uh, the the children were in were in the wilderness. They were um, uh, they no the first and first and second generation were in the wilderness, but the second generation made it to the promised land. So yes, so the second generation made it to the promised land. Who who from the first generation made it to the promised land? Joshua. Joshua. And who else? Aaron. Uh, Aaron. Mm -mm. Not Aaron. Caleb. Aaron. Caleb. Caleb. There y'all go. Joshua and Caleb made it over to the promised land. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. So out of all, uh, um, in Genesis chapter, not Genesis, Exodus chapter 12, um, it says that from Egypt, um, yeah, Exodus chapter 12 verses, I think it's 37. It says that 600,000 men um, came from Egypt to, to Mount Sinai. So we remember when they do census, they only count the men. 
So on average, um, each man, you know, they have a wife and some kids. So on average, it's about four members in their family. So, um, so about 2.5 million people came from Egypt to, to Sinai. And I think it, let me see here, where's that in my notes? Um, I probably jumped ahead here and looking at Exodus. Yep, I did. Um, because, um, you see, the author talks about it um, in his book. He talks about the 2.5 um, in his book. And um, so that is um, how the author got 2.5 million or how scholars get 2.5 million. They take the 600,000 that is written in Exodus 12 and 37 and times that by four. So it gives, gives you a rough, a rough uh, estimate of 2.5 million people that crossed over. And from that 2.5 million, only two made it. <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, only two. That's, made crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So, um, so yeah. Let's see here. Oh, I was talking about historic odds and original readers. Okay, um, let's see here. So much of why this and not that in terms of our content is better understood when we consider the historical circumstances from Moses's writing. And so that's what I kind of talked about, how they're murmuring and complaining and them asking those three questions to Moses really prompt Moses to write uh, what he wrote. OK, um, of course, um, in the book, you you'll see the years covered by Genesis. We talked about that, about 20, 2300 years um, Genesis covers. Um, let me see here. Yeah, that's in your in your book on page 29. Talks about the years covered. Um, and then the background points on Genesis. Definitely read about the, the nature and the emphasis of Genesis. I'm running out of time here, so I'm, I gotta fly through it. And then um a really good section of this book, it talks about the the day creation or uh, creation of days and what took place on the, on the days and things of that sort. And that's when I was talking about, um, the book talks about the young earth theory and the old earth theory. Um, definitely read about that. Um, read about the, you know, the fall of man and things of that sort. Genesis is a very long book, it's 50 chapters. <laughs> so, um, but it's, when you look at, I wanna bring this point though, when you go um, back on page 28, it talks about the outline of Genesis and it talks about the first four book, four first first stories, the creation, fall, flood, and the nations or the Tower of Babel. Those four stories you're going to see a lot um, in our study, and um, basically throughout the New Testament, Old Testament, it's always going to refer back to these stories um, for a reason because that's how God dealt with the world or, or mankind. Uh, we talked about in introduction to the Bible, we talked, we did a, um, a really good study on inspiration. And we talked about the, the, le uh, the different categories of inspiration. And, um, and in that, uh, my mind just went blank. That <laughs> was, uh, oh, of the story, sorry. We talked about, uh, of how God, he uh, gave general revelation to the world first. Um, and they, what they did was with that information, they twisted it and they um, just uh, basically uh, started paganism and all that stuff from the information he gave them. And so if you're ever doing a study of ancient religions or ancient nations that existed before Israel, you will see in their writings that they have these four stories 
in their writings. They have a creation account. They have a fall account. They have a Tower of Babel account. They have, they have these accounts in their stories. But when you read them, they're a little twisted. They're a little crazy. And you may, and you may say, well, how in the world do they have these accounts in their, in their scripture? You have to remember that God gave the world general revelation about him, about himself. And, um, and so Paul, he talks about it in his writings about the uh, revelation that God gave to the world. Let me see here. Let me, uh, let me jump to that slide real quick. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think that's Romans chapter one. I, when I found that out, that was life changing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I put it in the slide. I thought I put it in the slide. But when you read Romans chapter one, Paul talks about uh, starting in verse 18. I thought I put that in here. I thought I did. Um, let me see here. Maybe, maybe not. I did not. When you read Romans chapter one, starting at verse, I believe it's starting at verse 18 or something like that. It talks about how um, God revealed himself to them and how um, and how they they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and began to worship animals and begin to worship man and things of that sort. He's talking about the beginning of paganism right there. Okay. So these four stories are very important for us to really keep in mind and um, to really be familiar with you because you're going to see them kind of come back um, in right, like I said, in the epistles uh, right here kind of gives us an um, uh, allusion to how uh, these stories and how general revelation that God has given was twisted by, by man. And so because they, they twisted it and because they decided to worship one another and animals, God had to raise up, a, up uh, another people. And that's where you get Israel. And that's when he began to give his special revelation concerning this plan of salvation. Okay. So uh, definitely write that down. Romans chapter one, verses 18 and read that. Okay. Um, let me see here. I'm going to do Exodus really quick. And then... Um, and then uh, that'll be it. So the, the book of Exodus, um, it has um, three great stories in the book of Exodus. It talks about the deliverance of the people. It talks about the beginning of the law or the giving of the law. And it talks about the tabernacle, okay? Those are really three great stories that we want to really keep in mind when looking at the book of, book of Exodus, okay? Um, and so does anybody remember or know um, how did the, the Israelites, how, did, well, before they were Israelites, how did they get to Egypt? Um, isn't that because of the famine and Joseph? Yes. From yes. Joseph. Yep. He told them to go, go to Egypt, just like the same thing happened to Abraham, how there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt because there was food and shelter was down there. And so the same thing happened with Joseph. It was about 75 people that went down to Egypt and began to make a life for themselves. And then when we pick up in the beginning of, of, of Exodus chapter one, 275 years passed and now they, are, they have grown tremendously. We got about 2 million people now from, from Joseph or from, from Jacob's, um, from J Jacob's lineage. Um, you got so many people now exist. 
And so as you see, when you look at it, um, when you pull back and look at it as God's plan of salvation, he created this people. Now, in order, in order for anybody to be considered a nation, remember, they have to have people, law, and land. So now they got 2 million people. They have people covered. Now God has to bring them out of where they were and bring them to the wilderness and give them the law and then tell them about the land that they must conquer. Okay, so as you see, this the uh, beginning of Exodus shows us the beginning of God's plan of salvation, him about to give his special revelation to to a certain people. Okay, so that book of Exodus primarily tells the story of how God takes a great tribe, the children of Israel, and transform it into the greatest nation, uh, nation of Israel on earth. Okay. So uh, you see on special consideration, we kind of talked about the years covered um, in Exodus. The first uh, few chapters of Exodus covers about 80 years because it talks about Moses's life. And then after that, it talks about, it's about a year, year and a half that it covers. Um, definitely look at the background points here. Let me make sure um, how God, he gave the law. Um, he basically, he gave the constitution. He gave the first 10 points of the law. It's just like we have a preamble of our constitution. He kind of gave kind of the preamble of, of the law. So um, so the first 10 factors of the law, because we know the law has how many, how many laws does Israel have? Over 600. Yes, about 613 laws that they have. So God right here, he gives 10. And then later on, he gives the other laws. Um, in Leviticus, okay, or in, actually in Exodus, he, he begins to give it more in like Exodus 30, I think 32 or something like that. He begins to give more uh, of, the, of the law, okay, or 24, something like that. Um, yeah, um, and so, um, so yeah, so that, that's um, how we, um, how the law begin to, to de develop over time. Anybody have questions or comments? Are the laws considered the commandments? Yes. Yeah, there are the, there are the commandments. Um, so the, the first 10 that we know, the 10 commandments, that's considered their preamble or constitution. And then you got the rest of the commandments, um, 600, 600 and I guess 10, that's 603, I guess, because um, the, the 10 plus the 603 gives us a 613. So yeah. So yep, there are the commandments for Israel. Yep. So how do we get from 600 to 10, like where the 10, the most, like, I guess what the people kind of went against the most? Well, when we look at the 10, I think honestly, that's all we, we as Protestants or we as church people, that's all we really know. <laughs> that's all, that's all we really know. And so God, he kind of gave his outline uh, to to Israel, which is the ten, and then once he began to institute the priesthood and the tabernacle, that's when he began to give the other six hundred, which we which we really don't know a lot a lot about, honestly. Right. Um, yeah, and so that kind of was in a deficit because we think the law is the ten. Because because I was about to say, even though you said. Uh, you know, us be Protestant, blah, blah, blah. Like, even those that don't believe like we believe, they only focus on the 10. Mm -hmm. And that's it. 
That's and I'm it. like, well, what about all the other ones? Oh, no, nah, they ain't got nothing. Oh, so now you decide that the other ones ain't got nothing to do with you. Okay, great. Yeah, and if you break one, you broke them all. So it's just... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and they were written to Israel only. So they're no longer in play. They are no longer in play. So we'll, we'll definitely talk talk about that. But yeah, that's that's why we only honestly know about 10 because that's what, I don't know, especially for me in, in my uh church history or whatever dealing with the church they only talked about the 10 or whatnot you don't really see a lot of preachers a lot of teachers going going through the other 600 or whatever so um any other questions yep so um exodus um covers that and let's see here um the book of Exodus was written to the second generation. Um, so we kind of understand what happened to the first generation. They kind of died off. And so um, Moses was basically dealing with the, with the second generation. Okay. Um, let's see here. Well, what Moses have dealt with the first generation since he didn't cross over to? Say that again. What Moses have dealt more with the first generation? He, not, not really. The second generation was on the rise. Remember? Okay. They were on the rise. Actually, people believe that. That's the thing. People believe that Moses didn't make it to the promised land. He actually did. He just made it on one side of the promised land. Then Jacob and, uh, not, yeah, Jacob and, K no, Joshua and Caleb had to conquer the other side of the promised land. So um, maybe I'll bring out a map to show you all what the promised land consists of. Um, Take it to the west side. Yeah, he was like on, <laughs> when you think about that, he was on the west side where the Transjordan was, that's part of the promise. He actually made it, but actually going into the other side, he didn't make it into or whatnot. So um, so the second generation was on the rise um, and they began to question Moses as, as well. So it was, I guess you could say partial of the first, um, but mostly the second generation, primarily the second generation. Okay, so let's see here. I believe that's pretty much it. Definitely read through Exodus. Um, if you have any questions, you could definitely come with them next week. Um, so any, uh, any other comments or questions? I know I went over quite a bit. Sorry, Genesis is a lot. So don't, yeah, so next week we won't go as over. So we're good. All right. Uh, definitely. I'm sending books out today. And if you are interested to in joining um, Introduction to the Bible, that is on Monday nights at 630, 730. It's just an hour. And we just um, finished talking about inspiration and the levels of inspiration and the different types of um, inspiration that that really helps us. It's going to help us kind of understand the Pentateuch when we understand Revelation and things of that sort. So um, you can definitely sign up for that. OK. All right, I'm going to pray out and then we'll, I'll see you all next week. Um, Father God, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you all, God, for um, what you're doing. We thank you, God, for just allowing us to understand your plan of salvation that will help us and shape us um, to uh, live a life that's according to your will and according to your word, God. We thank you, oh God, that um, this is no, um, it's going to be no longer a mystery to us that we're going to be able to understand uh, you, Father, and understand um, your plan of salvation, understand this, this Bible that we have, oh God, 
that many of us kind of gave up and thrown to the side because we just didn't have a, a, a teacher and understanding and things of that sort. So we thank you, God, for the chief teacher, the Holy Spirit that is constantly illuminating and constantly um, giving us that desire to learn more about you, Father. And we thank you, God, for the for the vessels. Thank you, God, for the teachers and the students, Father, that uh, really want uh, to, to learn and understand your word, Father. So God, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you all next week. Thank you all. Thank you. Good blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Everybody have a wonderful day. Love you all. Yep. Love you all too. See y'all.